0: When I think of where we were this time last week as a faith community and what's transpired from last Sunday to this, personally, and I'm probably the oldest person, oh no, maybe I'm not the oldest, but one of the oldest in the room, I can't recall a week that has been so impactful for me as this particular week has been. Let's look at it globally. As we've watched, and the the incredible part today is that we can hear of disasters and things going on in the world, but they're live streamed onto our TVs and into our living rooms and we actually see things firsthand and in some ways I wish we didn't. But as we have seen this indescribable invasion of Ukraine unfold, and I've seen images of those people and what they're going through, it really impacts us. And then just to top that off, on top of that, we look at the eastern border of Australia where we've seen what they now call a rain bomb that has taken effect and has just caused devastation across these parts of our country. And as Dan said, there's fires and there's, and there's floods happening all at once. And then locally, health issues, concerns for people within this faith community, we've seen We can see this morning the impact of COVID. And I just think the impact it's having on our kids at school at the moment is just just unbearable and unthinkable. And then when I thought that was enough, we decided to have an earthquake this morning. Now, I was in the study getting ready for this morning, and I thought, oh, God, what are you trying to say to me? (laughs) Are you sending a message there? And then when we get here this morning... None of this is working. No words to come up, no videos. Mark had to work, and Mark, thanks so much for your great work trying to get this up and running. So I sense at the start of our time together this morning that the enemy is trying to really take control, but we're not going to let him this morning. On the surface, for me, it's so hard to see and define when we look at all these things where God is working for the good of all of those who love him. Is that just me feeling like that? It seems so much like the enemy is having a real field day across this globe and I'm not talking about the physical enemy. I'm talking about the enemy. So many innocent people are being targeted. Lives have been lost. Human rights have been violated. Over a million people have been displaced from Ukraine in this week and they're suggesting within the next couple of weeks it'll rise to about four million people. Refugees forced to leave their homes. Families have been destroyed. Livelihoods either washed away in floods or, or blasted off the ground by missiles. Those things people have worked so hard for all their lives to achieve are all gone in an instant either by flood or by someone desperate for power. And as I've listened and as I've watched and as I've observed this week, I've felt so helpless. I've found it difficult to find words to form my prayers. And so what I want us to do, I was to say before that, as as I was trying to struggle with all of this, I get a call from Nathan to say, can you help out? And can you speak on Sunday? Struggle with what that might mean, what that might look like. But while I find it hard to form words into prayers that I believe will be significant and speak properly and, and, and sensibly into the situation... There is a prayer I want us to have a look up at for Ukraine that was, was produced this week. Now, it came with no, no background, so Dan's going to play a little bit of music for this 30 seconds or so. Let's pray this prayer. Wars to cease. Be still and know that I am God. So we've been um, following a series on the words of the words of Jesus, particularly words of Jesus in the in the last few weeks. I think I was only here for three of them. First one was about us being salt, adding flavor, adding adding what is needed in our world today. Then there was Jesus' word for us to be, if we want to be leaders, we need to be servant leaders. We need to show by our example and by the way we live, who we are in Christ. And then we've been told to love our enemies. Now I'm just putting it out there, but how challenging is that one? And how timely for us today. To love those who do wrong against us. All of these words of Jesus have um, have been what I would call commands. Though so I don't know whether I like the word command. I don't know a softer word for it. But they've been instructions from Jesus, telling us what we should be doing. And each week, Nathan has given us some takeaways, challenges that we should we should on how we should live this out in our lives. In other words, putting what we hear of these words of Jesus into practice. This morning. I want to consider some words of Jesus that aren't a challenge. Well, they may be a challenge. They aren't an instruction to us. Um, and they're words that come from, out of a, in context, they're from John 16, and they come out of a conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. Now, he's trying to explain to this group of his followers who love him And have given up everything for him. He's trying to explain to them that he is about to to change direction. Or the direction he's always had. And he's about to move toward Calvary. And he's going to be killed. And he's going to die. And he's explaining this to them in the best way he possibly can. That they cannot understand. And he makes this word to them. It's a word of hope. And I think a word of word of encouragement and I just felt this when Nathan asked me to speak that if anything we needed this morning rather than a word of command is a word of hope from him don't we our world needs a a word of hope this week and so in the middle of this in-depth conversation this difficult conversation Jesus says these words here on earth you will have trouble or many trials and sorrows but take heart because I've overcome the world isn't that a great word to hang on to We need to hang on to the fact that no matter what is happening, and what I want us to understand is hear what he says here. You will have, he doesn't say you might have trouble, you might have sorrow, you might have disappointments, you might have difficulties. He makes it very clear, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. He says, I have overcome the world. Jesus knew that after sharing some bad, difficult news with the disciples that they needed that word of hope. And I believe that we could do with that word of hope ourselves this morning. I need personally to be reminded that no matter what things might seem like, God's got it covered. I need to be reminded that God is in control of our world, of our neighbourhoods, of our cities, of our families, of our personal circumstances, of our lives. He has the whole world in his hands. Whether it may seem like that at this very moment in time or not. I need to be reminded that he is the ruler of all things. That though his ways may not be my ways, he is working everything out for the good of those who love him. And I think of that verse in Matthew 6 that says you don't need to worry about what you wear or what you eat or what you might do. Instead of worrying, seek first God's kingdom and all these things will then fall into place. I feel so sick and helpless for the 44 million people of Ukraine. Without getting political, I struggle with my own feelings toward Putin and his blatant disregard for human life, all fueled by a personal desire for power. My heart aches for business owners who who have worked so hard to make a dream come true and then find in just, after a downpour, a deluge of rain, all those dreams are lost. Their businesses have been destroyed. I I can't even imagine what it must be like for families who, now that waters are receding, are allowed to go back to their homes and see the mess. You know, isn't the Aussie dream, all of us, to have a home that we love, a home that's safe for our families? And you work hard to make it what you want it, and then to walk in and find that it not only stinks but you've got to throw everything out. And for many, they may have to start all over again. I just can't imagine what it must be like for them. The reality is Jesus' words aren't always comfortable. Here on earth, you will have many sorrows, he says. I don't want to try and make you feel that I know what you might be going on in your lives right now. But for some of you, or for people that you love... This may be a really difficult time. You might be going through your own personal hardships. You might be going through sickness or disappointments or loss. The challenges that you face may seem all-consuming right now. But I want you to hear this word of hope from Jesus this morning. I have overcome. Whatever it might seem like, as overwhelming as it all might seem to be to you, this is not the end of the story. This is only part way through. Hang on to see what God is going to do. Of all the people in the Old Testament, I think the one person I admire the most is young Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I don't know whether you know Jeremiah's story. I assume many of you do. It's there for you to read in the Old Testament. But his life is a story of discouragement, disappointment, pain, heartache, and all of those things he experienced because he chose to be obedient obedient to God's calling over his life. They may never have happened if he decided to do his own thing and go his own way. But you see, Jeremiah felt the call of God. He heard the voice of God speak to him. Now, in those days, in Old Testament days, one of the key roles of of people chosen by God were to be prophets. Now, I think very often we, we confuse what the role of a prophet is or was. Many people think prophets were speakers of doom, who spoke into the future to tell you what was going to happen in the distance. And while that is partly something of what the role of a prophet was, the key role, the key function of a prophet was to speak into the very present day, to speak into the life of God's chosen people, the messages that God gave directly to that prophet. I also want to say that prophets aren't just people of the Old Testament. There's a significant role for prophets in God's church today. In fact, I believe that every faith community needs to have its prophets. We need to have people who can hear from God and speak into the life of the faith community the things that God is speaking into this this church. We need to pray that God will raise those prophets up. In fact, I believe those prophets are already here, but pray that God gives those prophets the courage to speak his words and that we as God's people will have the faith and the wisdom to listen to those words and heed them. And so here is Jeremiah. I'm sorry I'm using these glasses. They're bifocals. I can't I don't know where to go with them. So I've got to try and forget them. Um, It's all blurry to me. It may be blurry to you as well. So what happens with Jeremiah is he hears God speak into his life. And he says, "I've I've got a mission for you. I want you to take on a responsibility for me. I want you to be a prophet. I want you to speak into the lives of my people. Now, the reality is that Jeremiah was only very young when this calling came on his life. In fact, most scholars would say he was 13 or 14, just a young kid. And in fact, so Jeremiah's first response to God was, why are you asking me to do this? I'm only a child. And God comes back to him and says, don't you say to me you're only a child because I want to use you, and I will will empower you to do what I want you to do. And so this very young child, not knowing what that future held, knew he had to be obedient to God. And God says to him, now this this is the mission I want to give you. My people have been so disobedient. You need to go to them, and you need to tell them very clearly that I have observed their disobedience. They had had moved away from worshipping God completely. Most had followed the teachings of Baal. Many were sacrificing children at the altar to satisfy their false gods. They had forgot to care for for the widows and, and the aliens. They had done everything against what God had said and God was so mad with them. So he says to Jeremiah, this is a message I want you to do. I want you to go knocking door to door every day across the nation and telling people that unless they change their ways, then I'm going to come and allow the enemy to come in and take over this land, defeat you, and they will drag you away as slaves into a foreign land and you will never return home again. Now, I'm just putting it out there. I really hate redshirt door knocking. Fancy having to knock on doors to not just ask somebody, would you like to give to the Salvation Army? But, hey, how are you this morning? Have I got a message from God for you? And then spill this message out, Finish it off by saying, well, have a good day then. Then go on to the next house and repeat that same message. Well, you can imagine what it was like. People didn't take too kindly to Joshua, knocking on their door and sharing that story with them. Just say Joshua. (laughs) Yep, it's Jeremiah. (laughs) And so what happens is his popularity plummets very quickly. People don't even want to associate with him. People don't want to talk to him. If they see him walking down the street, they cross over the other side of the road. It gets to the point where they don't just cross over the other side of the road. They start hurling abuse at him as he walks down the street. All because this young man was being obedient to the voice of God and following God's calling over his life. Now, it gets worse. God then speaks to him and says to him, Jeremiah, you're doing a really good job, but I've got another thing I need you to do. I want you to go down to the potter's house and I want you to see what he's doing there and I want you to buy a clay pot and then I want you to gather the crowd around you and as they stand around you, I want you to drop that pot so it smashes into hundreds of pieces on the ground and then I want you to say to these people, this is what I am going to do to you unless you turn from your wicked ways, unless you come back to being my people, I'm going to smash you into pieces and you will never be able to be fixed again. Well, people became angrier and angrier with this young man to the point where after he gave that message, and I'm really shortening this story of, of Jeremiah, but um, they grab him, they seize him, and they drag him to the, to the gates of the city and they tie him there and allow anyone who wants to to to, to smack him out, to spit on him, to hit him, to hurt him, to kick him. All because he was speaking God's truth. Now somehow, after hours and hours of this sort of treatment, he manages to set himself loose. And he drags himself away and sits in a quiet place, this young man who was full of so much potential, believing that, that what God had asked him to do was going to be something wonderful. He's depressed. his feeling a failure. And at that stage, when he's away on his own and all quiet, he lets loose. He lets out loose this verbiage of words that are pretty strong, some of the strongest recorded in Scripture. And they're not at the people that have just just... Punched into him, they're at God. And he says to him, God, you've let me down. You, you have tricked me into this. Why would you do this? But then he goes on to say, but the reality is, God, as much as I don't like doing this, I just know how strong and how 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 important your word is. In fact, it's like a it's like a burning in my bones. And I know that if I don't speak it out, I know the consequences of speaking it out, but if I don't speak it out, I just can't live with myself. I have to speak your truth. And I, I just want to say this morning, I think one of, one of the most important things in this account of his life is it's so easy sometimes for us to give up when things get tough. But I think the consequences is just, can you live with yourself if you don't do what God asks you to do? Because we've got to trust him for what he knows he's doing in our lives. Then from this time, Joshua keeps doing what God asks him to do. And so the officials get tired of him and so they kidnap him at night and they go and throw him down a well, a disused well and leave him there to die. And it's only because of one person, one of those those people who feels a bit guilty that they go and help him get out of that well and his life is spared. And then from that moment, all the, the days of warning are over, God has had enough. And so he does what he says he does, he was going to do. The enemy come in and they take over the land and they, they take the people and they, and they put them into, into slavery. They, they get them out of their country. They put them into foreign lands where they're going to be slaves. Now, you would think that, that Jeremiah, because he was God's servant, because he was obedient to what God was saying to him, that this wouldn't impact him at all. That because of, of his relationship with God, that he'd get one of those get-out-of-jail-free cards. But no, he also gets captured and he gets taken away. And he knows that in being taken away into slavery, then he will never return home again. Now, this time in his life, he's no no longer this young man, but an old man who spent all his days speaking out for God and getting nothing but pain and heartache and sorrow. And people didn't heed his words anyway. And so one day he decides that in captivity he might sit down by the river and write a book about his experiences. He would write a book about this nightmare that he had lived Now, as you can imagine, it's not the kind of book you'd want to read if you wanted a feel-good story. If you like happy endings, maybe this is not the book for you. But you can read it. It's in God's Word. It's recorded for all to know. It's the book of lamentations, the book of the lament. And so here he is. Just picture him, if you can, this old man reliving the pain and the injustice that was meted out to him all day, every day, and probably wondering at the same time what could have been for him if he had chosen another path. And then he pens these words. Then am going to come up on the screen. He says this, I remember my afflictions and my suffering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. What powerful words. What a powerful experience that this young man answered the call of God. And sometimes I think that when we are God's, then nothing bad is going to happen to us. But it happened to him every day. But what he realised was that each new day, God's mercies were fresh. Each new day, he could turn to him and know he was with him. We all have difficult days. We all meet opposition and disappointment. We all get hurt and burnt and we all feel like throwing it in from time to time. And as we look at the world today, we can spend our time and use up all our energies questioning why is this happening? Why would God allow this? Why is this going on? Why are these people in Ukraine suffering so much? Why have these people who have put all their their income into building a business suddenly find it destroyed? Why have people lost their homes? But let us hear these words of Jesus again this morning. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. For I have overcome the world. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They knew every morning, great is your faithfulness. So I want to say this morning in conclusion, Putin doesn't get to write the final chapter in the life of the Ukraine people. As much as he might think he does, he doesn't get to write that final chapter because God does. A rain bomb doesn't get to write the final chapter in the lives of people who at the moment feel as if they have lost everything. Your current situation, your your current circumstances does not dictate what your future will look like. Because Jesus says for you and for them, I have overcome. So, I want to be true to Nathan this morning and give you a takeaway, something to work on this week. And this is the takeaway. Remind yourself every day this week when you see those images on your television or hear of them on your radios, when you experience difficulties in your own lives amongst your family and friends, no matter what things might seem like this week, this is the takeaway. Remind yourself that this is not the end of the story, that God is in control, that he has the final say, and the victory is already his, for he has overcome the world. Because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. I need to hear that this morning. And I need to, to think about it and trust Him because His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And so, in concluding this morning, I want us to sing again. And each of those songs that Dan, you had, were great. We're going to sing a Hallelujah. I want us to go out here feeling confident in the fact that no matter what comes, if we focus on Jesus, if we just raise our hallelujahs, then he will make it all work for us. Are you in for that? Then let's stand and let's sing this this great song. But maybe before we do, let me just pray because who knows what will happen. (laughs) Father God, we just want to thank you this morning because your word is truth. We thank you for the words of Jesus, that he spoke in in the life of his followers, but he speaks into our lives every day. We thank you for the words that this series has already given us, but this morning we want to claim that promise that while there might be hardship, while there might be difficulty, while things might not be going as we would like them to go, we don't need to worry because you are in control, that you have overcome. That you know the end of the story, and the end of the story is victory through you. We thank you because the enemy has no foothold. And I just pray for in our lives this week, that we will not entertain those doubts or those fears, but trust you completely. And so this morning, as we conclude, Lord, we raise our hallelujahs to you. We want to raise them loud and strong and trust you we pray for those that that all we can do is pray for because physically we can't do much for them but may they sense your presence and your power in their lives i pray in jesus name amen